Hello and welcome to High Tea Obsessed. I'm your host, Thomas Boomhauer, and today's episode is going to be incredible. I am talking with Logan Sandoval of Zeph Hawaiian, and you know, you know him if you're a howler from the crazy barbecue pictures that he's posting, and if you stalk him long enough, he's got those beautifully plated culinary photos on there as well. So you know, he's a prolific howler. He's been on Howler Pod and he has Ride Art Tattoo. He's always sharing all the art stuff and supporting the Red Rising homies. And so when he wanted to come on to talk about Red Rising, some of his other favorite stories, I said, bro, of course, like, let's set this up. Let's get it dialed in. And so we did. So here's a little word for you guys out there. We're talking uh, Invincible, The Boys, Red Rising, and there are spoilers for um, all that is out right now. So, the whole Invincible show, all of The Boys, uh, the show, and all of Red Rising, books one through five, are spoiled on the show. So, if you're not up to date with those, you will have to skip... um, Sorry about that. Uh, and another word, this is an adult podcast, so, you know, a lot of, there's a certain amount of profanity going on as well. Um, but yeah, it's an awesome conversation. Loden is a lot of fun, great dude, uh, really funny talks, a mile a minute, and we get into all sorts of fantastic takes and cool stories. This episode is a little longer than I was expecting, so reinstituting the formal intros and outros that I talked about on podcasts I did, but not doing a super long one for this one. So without further ado, I will kick it over to the interview. And welcome back from the break. Like I said in the intro, super fired up for today pumped up because this is a very special episode of IT Obsessed. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we have an incredible guest today. Joining me today is none other than Logan Sandoval of Seth Hawaiian, the June of House Howler, a human gem and a treasure among madmen. How are you doing today? I'm doing I'm doing great. I'm doing I'm doing very well, man. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to chop it up with you. I'm excited to talk Red Rising and God knows what else, but I'm just excited to be here. And thank you for inviting me, and I appreciate it. I'm glad you accepted. It's been a real will-they-won't-they situation trying to get this set up. And, you know, the audience is relieved. We finally did it. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, you know, we've been chatting on Instagram a little bit, getting to know each other, getting the vibes right, getting everything calibrated to absolute perfection so that we can get this episode and knock it out of the park for the lovely listeners out there. So you ready to dive in? Yeah, dude. Let's get at it. I'm stoked. So I know you've been doing a lot of good amount of publicity lately, getting out there. Just the um, so yeah. you've gone over this uh, in a few spots already, but would you mind giving my listeners a little bit of your origin story, 
background into your culinary career and specifically the origins of Zeph Hawaiian. Yeah, so my name is Logan Sandoval and I am chef slash owner of Zeph Barbecue, which is a pretty now prominent um, barbecue establishment in Southern California. We operate out of Simi Valley, which is adjacent and probably like 40 minutes from Hollywood, about 30 minutes from Los Angeles downtown. Um, we do not have a brick and mortar. We do not have a restaurant, but we do pop-ups almost every weekend. Um, Zeph barbecue stemmed out of a necessity to feed my family and honestly to make money, no, like no pun intended, but I was a long-standing chef in a lot of different operations across the country. I mainly worked for Hyatt hotels and resorts. Um, and I worked my way up through those ranks. I did a lot of fine dining. Um, I have Michelin star experience where that's like, you know, can I interrupt? Yeah. Yeah. So on your Instagram, you have all these crazy barbecue pictures that are like, oh, my God. Yeah. And then also, if you scroll, it's the like fancy bullshit that you see at a crazy restaurant. And it's like how this is literally like get you a man who can do both. It's incredible. Dude, if you if you deep dive into Instagram, if you scroll back into like, you know, 2000, what years are those? Like 2018, 2019, I was like at my peak because I was traveling with Hyatt quite a bit, helping open up restaurants across the country at different Hyatts, um, help closing down restaurants at different Hyatts. I've worked in, see if I can get all these off the top of my head. I started here in Los Angeles, but then I worked in Columbus, Ohio, Louisville, Kentucky, Key West, Florida, Dallas, Texas, um, Monterey, California, San Diego, California, Chicago, Illinois, back to Monterey. And then helped in between. I did some time in San Francisco. I did some time in um, a couple of different places helping open up different restaurants for, you know, the Hyatt company. And then unfortunately, like a lot of my other colleagues and friends who worked in the industry, when COVID reared its fucking nasty head back in March of 2020, um, the hospitality industry was the first one to basically, you know, get gutted. And it was one of those things where I had spent so long um, I spent so much time as a chef for like basically my entire adult career. The only other things I'd ever done in my life was fight professionally in MMA and then work on engines in a machine shop. And I laid rebar with my stepdad. So cooking was literally the only thing I'd really ever done as like a professional. So when that was taken away from me, not only was it like I was losing my job and I was losing my title, it was also like I was losing like a big part of me, like part of my identity because I relied on cooking so much. Um, I was definitely one of those stereotypical like cooks where I like I cooked a lot. I fucking drank a lot. I rowdy like late nights, early mornings. Um, and it was a lot of fun. And it really, really gave me a lot of satisfaction in like my food and as my person. But like on the side, when we were living in Chicago, I started cooking barbecue out of my backyard to sell to like passerbys during like Cubs games because we were probably like three or four blocks away from Wrigley Field. So I would set up in, in the backyard alleyway, get the smoke going and people would come down the street and be like, oh my God, and I would sell boxes for like five bucks a piece. I'd only do like one brisket. I wouldn't do a whole lot. Um, and so fast forward to when we moved back to Monterey, I was trying to implement like a barbecue program at the sports bar in Monterey at the hotel. It just really wasn't taking off. It really wasn't like, it just wasn't the time or place for it. Um, and so when COVID hit and like my wife and I moved back down here to Simi Valley, we actually had to move in with like with my parents because we had just, long story for a short story, we had just transferred back from Chicago to Monterey. 
Um, and we were still looking for an apartment or a place to live. And when COVID hit, because it was a hotel, they shut the whole hotel down. So we didn't have like a place to stay. So we actually ended up moving in with my folks. And I talked to my wife and I was like, fuck, like, you know, and at, the, at that time, everyone's like, oh, it's two weeks. It's two weeks. It's two weeks. It's going to be two weeks. I'm going to come back to it. It wasn't two weeks, like everyone knows. And so that week that I came back down to Simi Valley, I was like, I, you know, was talking to my wife and I was like, hey, well, why don't we try to sell? barbecue you know there's not a lot of food in Simi Valley there's not a lot of food in the area let's try it and it literally has just fucking taken off and it went from being you know like something like kind of like fill our time while we were like out of work to now it's like a full-fledged like operation like my buddy and I were talking about last night and it's gone from being just you know a fucking this barbecue to now it's like almost like a movement where like people notice me people see me um even in like the red rising circles and stuff like i've had a couple people from you know the discord and from like instagram come out and like get our food so it's been fucking crazy and it, and it's always evolving right a big part of the barbecue in the beginning was i didn't want to get bored and i wanted to cook the way i wanted to cook and so i kind of just let that lead me in my cuisine and so i started doing ramen i started doing pho i started doing pastrami I started making spam from scratch I started doing picking ducks like anything and everything that I was never allowed to do as like a corporate chef and as just kind of like the dregs in, in fine dining I was like I'm gonna fucking do it now and it, and people took notice to the point where Eater LA um, picked up a story about us in January of 2021 and called us one of the best new restaurants in California which was us like dude I still look back on that shit and I'm just like it's fucking insane. Like I, like I spent so long in the trenches and so long, like kind of getting my shit kicked in that, you know, to be called one of the best new restaurants when I'm co literally cooking out of like my garage, you know, that's what's wild is like, I don't have like a, like a kitchen, like a professional kitchen. Like I cook out of my garage. I have three commercial fridges. I have a bunch of, you know, like those little like camp burners and I just make it fucking work. And because I was working in Chicago, um, when I was in Chicago, my official title was a banquet chef. So I was pumping out thousands and thousands and thousands of meals every day. And so, you know, it's the biggest hotel in Chicago, 2,300 rooms, quarter million square feet of banquet space. You were just like going 24 seven. And so that taught me the organization, the mass production. And so like this last weekend, we brought in just shy of like almost like $17,000 in sales, which is good for like, it's damn good for a restaurant. It's fucking unheard of for something like this. And that's what really drives Zeph Barbecue is kind of, you know, telling the naysayers like, fuck you. And then just like, kind of just like being able to do whatever the fuck I want. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? No, yeah, totally. Yeah, you had this unique opportunity where you were trained in how to handle the creativity that you're blessed with. Yeah, basically. and like, to, and like, I have a very strange skill set where it's coupled where it's not only do I know how to do mass production but then I also have the fine dining experience where I know what works together and what we can tweak and what we can do and I've been taught how to do ducks I've, I've been taught how to emulsify sausage I've you know I can sous vide I can fucking you know it's 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 insane you know so to, to this is a it's an arsenal a superhero yeah, origin dude, it's, story it's a fucking arsenal yeah. man and and for a long time I was getting my shit kicked in you know like I, I worked long hours and I did it for Hyatt and, you know, I was that typical guy where, you know, I thought that like, you know, 
it was it was what I was supposed to do. And I was a hard worker. I was the first one to show up. I was the last one to fucking leave. All that type of shit. And like that whole time I was doing it for someone else to make a lot of money. And so now I'm doing it. And it's like for my family, for my folks. And like my wife and I are now like the tag team, you know, just fucking gang squad. that are, We're just like, you know, killing it. And so it's just evolved into this just fucking like thing, man. It, it's wild, you know. And like I said, like when we were down at Heritage, you know, people from Texas recognize us now. And, you know, when people from Texas recognize California kids for, for doing barbecue, that's a, it's a pretty big deal, you know, when we're included in those like conversations. So, yeah, to sum that all up, had a strong background in fine dining, had a strong background in like mass production, and I turned it to barbecue, you know, because when we moved back here to Southern California, it was like, we can't be doing 14 course tasting menus for Simi Valley. Let's fucking cook, like, let's smoke some briskets. And it is super labor intensive. Um, we use all hardwood, we use all white oak. Um, and I mean, the amount of production we had to do this last, this last weekend for Father's Day, it was a 24 hour cook. So I literally had the fires going for about 26 hours to get everything done. And it was, it's a lot, you know, it's, it's, it's immense. But we're doing well, and I get to cook the cook the food I want to cook, and we're just fucking like trucking through it, man. I think that summed it up. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, just one thing I do want to force you to reiterate is you get into the philosophy of what Zeph represents. So Zeph, the term Zeph, if you've ever heard of Die Antwoord or um, any South African bands. Um, Diane Ward was actually in Chappie. You have uh, Yolandi Vesser and then um, Ninja. And so the term Zeph doesn't come from them particularly. It comes from the post-apartheid era of South Africa when things were changing, when systematic racism was going in and out and things were developing at a very fast speed. And you had this weird microcosm of people where they were stuck in between the rising of the upper class and the lowering of the lower class. And a lot of those people got stuck in that, that middle class towards the lower class. And the term Zeph comes from a car that was popular at the time, the Zephyr. And these guys would soup them out. They would wear, wear jewelry. They would wear tracksuits. They would spend all this money and all this crazy shit. But then they were also still living in like caravan parks. So the term Zeph, to me, coming out of the hip-hop culture out of South Africa really reflects the fact that, like, you can do whatever the fuck you want and you can be whoever the fuck you want no matter what the, the terms are. And that's the kind of philosophy I really apply to my food where, sure, we are a barbecue establishment and we do barbecue through Central Texas and we do all of our food through the lens of barbecue, but that's why I'm also doing pastrami and aguachile and beef cheek and birria and, you know pecking duck and spam musubi and smoked lamb shanks. It, it, it's so much more than just barbecue. Barbecue will always be there and barbecue is what pays my bills. But the weird shit and the outside shit is the stuff that like fulfills me as a chef and as a, as a, as a culinary, someone that's passionate about food, if that makes sense. And so that's why like our wheelhouse is so much different than a lot of other barbecue establishments and everything's made from scratch like when we do the smash burgers i always try to tell the story because it really exemplifies like what we adhere ourselves to where you know when i started doing the smash burgers it was right before the e article we weren't making a ton of money and i knew we had to do more than just like the barbecue every weekend so we started doing smash burgers during the week and i was grinding by hand all the 
brisket trim from the briskets. And then I was taking the brisket fat, rendering that, and then I was using that for the French fries. And then I was also using that as my fat in my burger buns. And people would just be like, oh my God, like, that's so fancy. Like, that's like such like high. I'm like, no, motherfucker, like, I'm broke. Like, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm poor, motherfucker. Like, I need to make money. So we take a really, I take a huge pride in scratch recipes. I guess you would call them craft, even though I feel like that's kind of played out. But I just take a lot of pride in my work and a lot of pride in like my food, you know. So that's why we'll never half-ass on the briskets. Briskets take anywhere between 12 to 16 hours. You know, pork butt take anywhere between 10 and 12. And so there's no shortcuts in barbecue. And so I try to cross mesh the philosophy that I learned in fine dining, where there's no stone left unturned to my philosophy of barbecue, where there still should be no tur- no stone unturned, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it's cool to see you talk about it, uh, because I've like seen you on other interviews and stuff, but just like this, even now, it's like, your passion yeah dude. you can just like you can see i it. just i get i get cool. i get really excited about food and i think um you know everyone should be passionate about food especially in this day and age where there's so much shit that we eat that's so inst- like there's so much instant gratification and don't get me wrong i love my fucking and now i love dude, i love taco bell i love instant noodles you know i love all that shit but there's a time and a place for it but in this day and age where everyone's just pumping out mediocre food to do true blue food and to really hone it in and, and make small tweaks and make, you know, it, cause I mean, I just hired on one new guy and I told him again, like, yo, this is not, this is not fast food. This is not half measures. This is not, you know, quarter measures. This is a full bolt. Like we don't use propane assistance. We don't use coal. We don't like, we use hardwood from the moment those briskets go in all the way until those briskets come out, you know? So it's just, it's a lot, man. And it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And so I am super, super passionate about it because that's just like, dude, it's, it's my fucking life. And for the first time I'm getting the recognition and the, you know, the slaps on the asses and the, and the, and the, you know, the, the reach arounds that I feel like I've deserved for the past like 10 years, you know? So now it's like, fuck dude, like this is, I didn't ever think barbecue was going to be my niche, but it fucking, it is, you know? I think that sums it up. Listen, we're all we're all blessed for it. (laughs) There was a time, though, I have to admit, I was so mad because I'm in New York, you're down in California, that I was so mad I would never be able to eat this. These things I'm looking at, I unfollowed. I was like, I can't do it. Why am I putting myself through this? I I was just mad. I I can feel it though. But dude, when we have Holler Hollercon in fucking Mm -hmm. 2025 or 2024, dude, it's gonna be in my backyard, and we're all gonna be fucking eating brisket and slamming whatever else venusian furies or whatever that drink's called yeah with the uh octopus ink. yeah with the squid ink i've actually used a lot of can't wait you use a lot of squid ink in food no bullshit huh for like uh plating oh for plating or for actual feeding for feeding i mean squid ink pasta was like big for a minute and it fucking like everyone wanted to see like you know the black pot it's just it's fucking wild but it does have like a fishy yeah. undertone i'm not even gonna bullshit hmm. that makes sense so i have a whole cadre of topics that we're going to get into yes however before we get into that i have some news to break here and now you guys have heard me tease this for the past couple episodes there's a special series coming out in july oh shit so the week of july 12th through the 16th i'm going to have five episodes come out one each day and it is a march badness style 64 member bracket 
fight to the death of the best action movie heroes of all time. Damn. It's going to be crazy. Special guests include my friend JT from the Marvel episode. He'll be nailing the finale with me. My friend slash correspondent Mike Barbado will be doing the Gunslingers region. Uh, new to the pod, Sean O'Connor will be doing the Unarmed region. Boys from Words and Whiskey will be on the Wildcard region. Oh, and Ben from Howler Pod is going to be on the Spies region. And I've recorded a few of the episodes already. They're crazy. They're banners. I got art commissioned, and the art is absolutely beautiful. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to show everybody. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be set. No bullshit. I love all of you. I love Ben from Halipod. I love those boys from freaking Words of Risky. Those are, my, those are my people. I'm trying to like knock out all the Red Rising iP- uh, podcasts. So I just say that I was all I'm on. So if, if, if uh, Hell Reaper is listening and Words and Whiskey are listening, let me on your podcast, please. I'll come in and make a mess. Let him on. <laughs> let him on, cowards. Let him in. Listen for me. That's actually one of the uh, topics I have planned here. Oh, yeah. So let's get into Red Rising first. It's near and dear to both of our hearts. And I would say it's the thing that brought us together. So how did you first discover this series? My, like, discovery story, Red Rising, is so much different than everyone else's. Because I feel like everyone got told. Because once you become part of the fandom, once you become, like, you know, quote, unquote, like, howler, dude, you try to push that shit on everybody. And I feel like a big part of our community has come from like recommendations from other people to like other people to other people to other people. And I was one of those like super random people where when we like, when I was living in Kentucky, um, I would, I did this thing where I was working like hella out. Like I was working so many hours and it was, it was before my daughter was born. Like I barely just met my wife and I was just working a fucking ton. And so I would get home every night and I would sit on them because like my days were just brutal. And so I would get home and I'd sit out on my back porch and I would read, um, what are they called? Like ebooks? Like, like, uh, yeah, like Kindle. Yeah. Yeah. I would sit out on my back porch and I read Kindle books and I would just, I, mm-hmm. I would just tear through them because I didn't have cable and I was so poor. I didn't have Wi-Fi, And so like, mm-hmm. I would literally just like look up and I had, I had books and stuff, but I didn't own a car at the time. I was super fucking broke. And like, I would just download ebooks and I would sit on my back porch and I would get free liquor from the hotel that I worked at because like we went through so many different like bourbon bottles and stuff. And I would make myself mm-hmm. a big old freaking drink and I would sit down and I just burn through books. I found Red Rising through like a suggested book thing. And it had the little feathers on the front. And I was like, oh fuck, like, you know, whatever. And I clicked on it and I started reading it and I shit shit, dude. I burned through that shit in like three days, like the first book. Because I was just so enthralled. And like in retrospect, I agree with a lot of people where like the first book, Red Rising, isn't as good as the other books because Pierce was a young writer and he had done had like done some mm-hmm. other stuff. But it still holds a special place in my heart because it sets up so much. And I've pushed this on a couple of my friends, and they all have the same reaction where it's like it literally goes from like like a like a uh, like a dystopian subterranean fucking weird book to a like futuristic book and then like to like game of thrones mixed with right. with like ender's game, ender's game. Oh, ev- everything dude, dude, it just like it just meshed everything so well and i remember when those books first came out and reading a lot of reviews and people were like oh he's like he's biting off of um you know what's the one with cat uh 
Hunger Games. Hunger yeah. Games. He's like he's biting off the Hunger Games. He's biting off of this. He's biting off of that. He's like they're they're like he's biting off of Harry Potter. I'm like, well, fuck, dude. Like, let the man let, write his books. It's like this. There's a stool in this book. Yeah. It's clearly Harry Potter. And so like I read Red Rising pretty quickly. Absolutely fell in love with it. When I read Golden Sun, I went back and read it a second time before I started on Morningstar because I was just so enthralled by Golden Sun. Golden Sun was one of those books that I don't want to say like changed my life, but it changed the perspective on a lot of things that I had going on in my head. And everyone wants to talk about the Gala scene, but like that book in its entirety, and and there's like some very specific parts in like Morningstar and stuff that I'm in love with. And honestly, like Dark Age is probably my favorite book out of the series. But Golden Sun was that book that I read and it completely affected me as like a human being. And I've read some other books like that before too. Like um, Annihilation was one. Um, Night by, uh, God, I always forget his name. Wisely was one about the Holocaust and about like like the, the, the time he spent in the Holocaust. Um, it was one of those books where just like, it was and like, I finished Golden Sun with the triumph and everything. And like, I wasn't like right for like two days. Like it, like it affected me like mm-hmm. that much where like my mood had been like warped because I was so enthralled with Daryl. I was so enthralled with Victra and Severo and, and, and Ragnar and all these other people to the point where like that book ended. And I was just like, Oh my God, like, and I, and I had to go back and like reread it again. And I was one of those. Were all the books out when you started your journey? Like, or which, how many of them were? All of them. The first three were out, and if I'm not, I would have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure Morningstar had just been dropped. I think that's why it like it like uh, suggested it to me because it was like a full like a full series. And like, and leading up to that, I had read a bunch of um, Jonathan Mayberry books. I've read a bunch of. I was really like at the time in my life, I was super 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 fucking obsessed with like um, with uh, zombie books. So I, we talked about it on Instagram, but I, I had been obsessed with World War Z and his writing style and mm-hmm. just like the way it was like journal entries instead of like a full like story. And so I read like a lot of those books and then I read Red Rising and then I read Golden Sun. It was just like, it, it's been shit. My daughter was born in 2016. So it's been 15, it's been like six years since it's come out because i started reading them in like 2015 2016 um and at the time um my wife had just gotten pregnant and i was about to become a dad and it's just like there was like so many feels and so many emotions that like just like gave way to that book because that book hit me so fucking hard it was it was insane and it just it dude it just it yeah man it just it, it grabbed me by the throat and it fucking never let go like even till this day yeah. I mean that makes sense, but I also think like they're, it's, they're crazy. But I also think like that's why our fandom is so intense and so like into it because the way those books are wrote, written, and like God's like God bless Pierce Brown for just the just the the writing porn that he puts out every single book, and just like the way he envelops words and like strings along words. It's dude. It's just I've never read a book quite like that. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I've never really, like... No, I I've do. I've never really bought into a book quite like that, where it's just... It's just... The language is so flowery, but it doesn't make you feel stupid. You know? Because I've, I've tried to go back and read, like, Beowulf and, 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 and the, um, the Iliad and stuff, and I, and I struggle with those books. I do. And, like, there's even some, like, cookbooks I go back and try to read that 
I struggle with because the language is so much different. But P the way Pierce Brown weaves that shit is like, it's still so much different. And it's so like upper echelon, but it doesn't make you feel stupid because you get it. Right. It doesn't, he doesn't pull you out with it. It's not like for show, like a lot of other authors, it feels like you notice that they're being very eloquent and that their prose is brilliant because it's not actually brilliant. It's just like the way he, you're, yeah, that's a great point that he has that brilliance without making you feel like an idiot. that's a hundred percent that way. And when I got into red rising, it was way before like a lot of it has blown up in the last couple of years. And a lot of people have found it. Yeah. So I was like a lot of other people back in the day where I was like on Reddit, I was on, google i was looking for wiki wiki pages i was like i was looking for there was zero there was and i think that's what made it great too at the time because of the fact that there was zero fan art there was nothing mm -hmm. you, you literally had to extrapolate it from your own mind to see darrow to see what a razor was to see what pulse armor was to see what you know a torch ship was in your own head and the way the books turned too like you went from like basically a hunger game slash Hunger Games slash, you, you know, um, God, why can I not think of those books right now? The the big, uh, J.R.R. Martin. Oh, uh, Game of Thrones. Game, why can I not think of Ice and Fire? No, why can I not think I of fucking Game of Thrones? It's like the biggest show to ever happen. But I had binged Game of Thrones, like literally all for seven seasons when mm -hmm. my daughter had been born. And I literally sat there, like, as my wife was, like, you know, recovering from life happening and i binged that while at the same time reading the first and second red rising book and i feel that really affected like how i saw stuff and how i kind of like looked at the books and so like you literally went from like a hunger game slash um you know game of thrones to basically like a like medieval star wars book and, and just like the and the reason why it hit me so hard too is just it, it's so much stuff that I think is so cool and just like the honor system and meeting people in the bleeding place and like that kind of shit really stuck with me because when I was younger I was super obsessed with samurais I was super obsessed with like gladiatorial stuff I wrestled at a really high level from the time I was you know six to the time I was like 19 I did judo for a long time I boxed for a long time I did jujitsu I fought professionally in MMA and so like a lot of those same retrospect I was like bro like if I was in this world, I would for sure be like a fucking Cassius. I would for sure be like, you know, like a dude that's just like picking fights for like my honor and like my family and shit. And it's like, it's it's such a cool and just all around encompassing like world. And the world building is is excellent. Yeah, I mean, um, I really have nothing to add. You summed it all up. <laughs> I just I get just excited about Red Rising as I do about fucking food. Like that's that's like, like. So for me, Red Rising the series as a whole was pretty transformative for me as well. Yeah, man. Because uh, up until then, I was like, I was still hooked on my uh, like childhood favorites. Because I I read it like my last year of college, I think. And so it was just like after that. Now I try to go back, and I'm like, oh man, these books suck. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. Who are your top three favorite characters? Ooh, fuck. Ragnar is my first character, always. Okay. I, ha I have sense. Ragnar tattooed on my chest. Mm -hmm. and we'll from uh, PB from Doodles, PB right? Doodles. I actually own the original drawing that she did um, that I bought from her. Because I found her through just like Instagram and stuff. And dude, she posted that picture of Ragnar. And for three months, I fucking nagged her. I was like, let me buy it. Let me buy it. I was like, I will send you however much money you want. Let me buy it let me buy it. and then it finally got to the point where like she started selling originals 
And in my in my office, sitting on my desk, I have the original uh, Ragnar and then the original Lord. And so, my I mean, Ragnar like three top top three characters. It would have to be Ragnar. I mean, I really want to put Darrow up in there, but I feel like everyone's automatic like go to is Darrow because he's such like a great character and he has such like a great story arc. But I mean, everyone knows kind of on the Discord and stuff that I'm a huge fan of Lysander. I am a Lysander, not sympathizer, but I get where Lysander comes from. And I really like his character and how well he's written and just like his outlook on a lot of stuff. And then I, I mean, I'm trying to think of a third. I really like this. Gonna sound horrible. I really, I really enjoy Ajax's character. I really enjoy Ajax. Interesting, because he's just a fucking savage. And then I is he though? He like pees down his light whenever it matters. That is that you know is a good mean? point. I never really thought of it that way. And he does use a lot of people in an extension of himself. I never thought of it that way, but I like Ajax's like muster and I like his like, just like fucking mm-hmm. like, I also really, I also really like the fear knight. I mean, I like all the villains. Yeah. I like, him I, too. I like, all the I like so like the fear knight, he's up to some, like, I, I mean, we've learned if he's up to something, but he is really cool. Dude, he's got some weird shit up his sleeve. And the fact that he was out in the mm-hmm. Kuiper for so long and he had no, and he was able to raise yeah, something he, like thought, like, yeah, and all those aliens. Yeah, dude. Basically. So okay, so if I had to, if I had to do good guys, my favorites would be Darrow, um, Darrow, probably Cavix, okay, or someone from the Talamanis clan, and then it would probably also be, oh no, Ragnar, Darrow, and Daxo. Okay. Ragnar, Darrow, yeah. and in that order. And then villains would be Lysander, Ajax, Fear Knight. I mean, those are good lists. <laughs> so when you, your Lysander love, I think we got into it a little bit on the Discord or other people did on my behalf. But so do you, you like him as a character or like you think he is like a good guy in this second trilogy? I, so I, I don't think, I don't think he's a good guy. I really don't think he's a good guy. And I, it's, it's okay. going to take a lot of time to get him back to becoming like a good guy. But I think him as a character, I have a strong affiliate, like a, affection for the character because like, and it's all like, it is kind of out of empathy. Like it is really kind of mm-hmm. out of empathy because like this dude has seen so much like the, the dude, yeah, he's been through, he's it. been through more than half the characters in the red rising series, like in the red rising series, you know? And P- I feel like people don't really like take that into like consideration where dude, not mm-hmm. only was he, you know, abused physically, mentally, and just like everything across the board by his grandmother, especially after his parents dying and especially becoming like, you know, the heir to the throne. You know, he was like, he even says it was just like, she pounded me into a cup and then tried to fill me up with herself. And it's just like, so thinking about it that way and like the shit that he went through and then the fact that he had, like, he's lived with Cassius for 10 years, you know, and while Cassius is trying to redeem himself and be this, you know, knight of old age and rescue stalkers and and, and all these other people, it's hard to like look at at least in my eyes, it's hard to look at Lysander as, you know, like a true bad guy. He is a, uh, he is built by the people that have been 
around him. And I drunkenly called into Hallerpod and tried to explain this. And I made no fucking sense where, you know, he was raised by Octavia. He was trained by Aja for a little bit. And then he was trained by uh, Cassius. And Cassius has such a warped view of the rising. Everything. Of everything. You know, he just has such a warped view. And that poor motherfucker, you know, if you want to pay a... Right. His... His uh, demons tragedy is like also mirrors Lysander's in a lot of ways. Absolutely, and just like even like before he goes into the bleeding place, like Lysander even telling like, bro, like like you let the wolves in, like you fucking let them in. I get that the jackal killed off your family and they lied to you about it, and like, but it's just like such a far strong reach to try to like understand these two characters in tandem, and then they're thrust back into the rim, or not back into it, but like they're thrust into the rim. And he sees what gold can be. And he's trying to take these different parts and not be Octavia. But he realizes, you know, the shit that Darrow's doing right now might not be the greatest in the world. I I, feel, I've, I've, I stand very strong behind that shit where, you know, you think about the revolution and fucking t- tearing down the government. But then, like, what's the next steps? And I feel like we get a really good glimpse into that from Ephraim. And we get a good glimpse into that from, like, Lyria. And it's, like, it's hard to, like, battle with that stuff because everyone's gonna be like oh you know daryl's the good guy daryl's a good guy daryl's but daryl has a fucking gnarly strain of bad guy in him you know like one of my favorite parts of the first trilogy is when he fucking blows up ganymede because that is such a it's such a turning point and it's such a juxtaposition of who he had been the entire books and i said the same thing when i was on Hallerpod, where i feel like there's several different daryls where it's you know you have the red daryl the gold daryl pre-box you have the Darrow post box and then you have the fucking Reaper. You know, like there's there's so many different intricacies and they're not all good. You know, so when people kind of hate on Life Center and stuff, I'm very interested to see what he brings in the sixth book because now he has his own shit going on. He's got Apollonius in his corner. He's married to freaking um, Atalantia. I have a, he's got the Fear Knight in his corner too. I have a very strong sneaking suspicion that, uh, what was the Love Knight's name? Catalina? Calendora. Uh, uh, Calendora. I, I think she's still alive. Interesting. I think okay. I think she's still alive. Um, Can I... So you touched on the ladies of Lysander, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's also Serafina. So that's my big issue with Lysander, is he thinks he's all noble-minded and well-intentioned and he's going to do all these great things. But fundamentally, I think all of his motivations boil down to he's trying to get laid. Who's wiener? Yeah, fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. he's always like, "Oh, I gotta look cool for Calendora. Ooh, let me impress Serafina, like all these things." And it's just like always that always like every time he makes a decision, a woman is involved in some way. It's very suspect. But does it matter if he made all those decisions and now he's making this decision because he 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 has no love lost for Atalantia, right? He knows that Atalantia killed his mother and his father. He knows she's fucking evil, dude, and like. Not to sidestep, but like, dude, when you piece together the fact that she was at that fucking weird sex house that Trig had to like penetrate, and then like, dude, Atalantia is such, how do I put this? She's such a good baddie. Like, she's such a good, because you have to like put all the pieces together that Pierce drops to be really like, holy fuck, like, Atlantia's like the fucking devil. You know, like, she's like really fucking. Right, she's evil. like the worst fury somehow. Yeah, yeah, dude. And, like, and, and we had no clue who the fuck she was for the first, like, Right, and everyone thought she was a party girl. 
and Pierce does a really good job of like kind of like wrapping that up in a nice bow. And I was actually just like when I dropped my kid off at the the sitters, I was re-listening to um I just got done re listening to Iron Gold a couple days ago. Yeah. And then I'm re-listening to Dark Age right now. And he does a really good job of like buttoning up where where, you know, like Sanders says, like gone is like the spice flute of champagne and the paramours and like replaced with like fucking like armor and a uniform and she has like hundreds of fucking like killers on her on her ship bridge and like dude she like if it ever does make it to film it like atlania will be such a good fucking bad guy because she she's deprived she's like even like like even like when her and darrow are staring across each other at uh not the hyperdome, but um, it's the, it's when all the shit's flooding and like she like yeah, yeah. she sees him through the, the binoculars and stuff, and she's just like fucking making a jerky motion, mm-hmm. and she like flings it into the wind. I'm like, that's a fucking bad bitch, man, dude. She and we all thought Aja was a, I mean Aja was a killer. Aja was a fucking gangster. Um, Mo- Mo- Moira. Yep, that's what, the other one. They, she was she was like she a was the politico, but I guess dangerous. Was that the three furies or was there a fourth one? There was three. It was those three. It was, it was the three ones. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like the Ash Lord's daughter, I don't think the Ash Lord gets as much because he's such a background bad guy. I don't think he gets as much love or like like recognition as he should. I mean, the, the motherfucker glassed the moon, right. you know, a whole moon by himself. And so to hear him talk about his furies and stuff, and when at the end of Iron Gold, when Severo, Darrow, and Apollonius are all in his room and they're like talking to him and stuff, and he's basically talking about how like Atlania has just fucking transformed into this monster over the last ten years. Like mm-hmm. fuck Aja, fuck Moyer, fuck you know the, the the sovereign. And then you get to see her in the beginning of Dark Age and just like how she speaks to other Arch Primuses and how she like holds herself. Like you can tell like this woman has been waiting a long time. To decimate people so with lysander sneaking in the back door i don't know what he's gonna do i don't know what he's fucking up to but i hope my boy can pull something out of his ass yeah there's a lot to uh wrap up in butcher sets there's a lot of villains left there's a lot Dude, of are we sure they're villains left i i don't i don't know what pierce is gonna do man i imagine that there's gonna be some twists where some go down quickly and quietly like on on screen on page but like it's not like Ajax, for example. Like I bet Diomedes waxes him in like two seconds or something. Yeah, you really like you really made me open my eyes in the last like fifteen minutes because like yeah, Ajax has really never done anything on his own. Like really, like truly, but like the way they talk about him and the, because right, I mean Daryl like, is a little nervous about him, so that's that's enough. And that's like why I have such a boner about it too, is because like dude, that prologue in dark age mm-hmm. i mean i love the whole book but i've listened to the prologue probably like like 30 or 40 times and dude the fight scene with all of them in the corridor and he's talking about how like you know cassius could could pair together mm-hmm. six moves i can pair together eight Lorne could pair together eight and then he's like fucking ajax pairs together eight i'm just like bro like this guy's fucking right insane. Like, and he's like he's just so fast more than anything else and he even says like it's not to say that he's as good as Lorne, but but, you know, he could become as good as one because he's young. He's fucking mm-hmm. hungry. He's, he's one of those fucking guys. And he fucks his aunt, which is weird. But it's very it's not what you want at all. I, I think Atlanta is pretty hot, though. 
I would imagine, I, but like I could see it in my mind's eye. I and plus, I mean, she she clearly is a predator, so it's not like we can't blame Ajax at all. We don't want a victim blame. And that but and that goes back to like it's not ideal. Shit. That goes back to her shit, like where fucking Trig and stuff went into. Yeah, if she's I, one of the most evil characters in the whole. Uh, I forget the who, series. I forget who talked about it. It was on a podcast, or it might have been on the Discord and stuff. Someone was like, "Yo, I'm really twisted, but like, I want to read about the um the time the jackal spent in the not the mines, but like underground. Mm-hmm. But how how it led to like the jackal getting out. I want to I want to like I want an autobiography on fucking Atlantia. Mm-hmm. I want I want to know the weird deprived shit that she's been up to and that she does and how fucking fucked up she is. I mean, I, I'd imagine we did a little bit more in this one, but I don't know. I just will see. Dude, book um, six is going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. So this is a question I make every Howler answer when mm-hmm. they come on, because it's near and dear to my heart. So there's two bro pairings in the series that are near and dear to me, and it's our boy Cassius and Darrow or Severo and Darrow. And I think they're uh, Darrow and Cassius have the best chemistry. I like them as a pairing much better than Severo and Darrow. Can I go off the rails and say Ragnar and Darrow? Uh, you can. That's what uh, Cross also went off the rails, and he said Rogue and Darrow. Oh, Rogue's another one that I have a soft spot for. I don't. I just. I'm like the thunder and the lightning. You know, if there's you, one mind. If, you, if you're talking about like the institute and like when they first start off, you boil it down. Severo was such an intricate part for sure, but he moved in the silence like hardcore. And you you don't you didn't even really know mm-hmm. that Severo was like part of like the clan until like halfway through the book. But like I like the duality with with Cassius and Darrow. I, I I'm gonna say it. And like in my mind, Cassius is like hella hot and he's just like this fucking like force to be reckoned with. And then like I love right. the scene where they talk about how, you know, Darrow goes back to House Mars. And Cassius is sitting there and he has fucking fleas and he's just like downtrodden. And it's one of those moments where like in the book, like that, it could have gone one of two ways where it, it could have been like Roke where Cassius stands up and be like, brother, like I fucking miss you. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, but mm-hmm. dude, Cassius, like his pride is so large. Like he just is like, <clears throat> like the next time I see you, the next, like, dude, I love those benedictions so fucking much. I love yeah, the uh, blood feuds, Dude, they're so sad. it's so hardcore. Like, when, like, Romulus does it with Roke in Book 3. That one's so, that one's crazy, because Roke is just like, all right, like, you're dumb to kill you. Dude, and, I don't give a fuck. And then, like, when Roke goes to leave, and he's standing in the room, and he's like, and he says the poem, and he's like, I will burn your fucking world down. I was like, right. Because, like, the whole book series, you're just like. Who knew we had it in him? Yeah, like, the whole book series, like, everyone's just like, oh, Roke's soft as fuck. Which he is, you know, he, he's super soft. Like, he shows up with like shiny shoes to Ramius's place, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but I was like, God damn, like that is, that shit to like be heard across the fucking worlds, you know? And he was so in love with this fucking color. It's insane. And I know a lot of people were just like, Oh, you know, like, yeah, like, you know, Roke could have been retrieved. Roke could have like, if Dara was just up front with him. No, Roke would have been Roke through the fucking end of the day. Right. He, he would. Yeah. I mean, he was trying to, Killed, he was like planning to kill Darrow for almost all of Golden Sun. I know. Was like, after Quinn, after Quinn gets got, gets got. Yeah, he's like, that's not on Darrow. He saved you. He's like, yeah. Mustang brought her there. That's such an intricate like relationship too. It's such an intricate yeah. relationship. That's wild. 
Anyway, so we could dab about this all day. There's a couple old hens over here. Oh, no, I'll talk about Red Rising until the sun goes down. I'm going to shit. <laughs> um, but so, besides Red Rising, what are some of your other favorite stories? Whether they be TV shows, movies, video games, books, anything. I am... I watch a lot of anime. Um, I am a huge anime proponent, and I watch a lot of, like... That's, what, that's like, what my late night watching when I'm, like, fucking around on my phone or, or doing other stuff. But, like, I love... Old school Dragon Ball Z. I love Cowboy Bebop. I love Samurai Champloo. Um, Neon Genesis. I like I like though like all old school anime. I have a huge affection for, and especially like like some like the space operas like Outlaw Star and like a lot of Mobile Suit Gundam. Um, I'm a huge, huge, huge fucking anime nerd, and I just think that like anime stories are built so well. Animation is done so well. Some of them go like really long. If you look at like Naruto or Bleach or like you know One Piece. But there's a lot of good anime that's short and clippy that's only like 26, 25 episodes. And I just, I, lo- I love the story writing and I love the just like building of characters in anime. And I, I've always been a fat anime nerd. I just, I, fuck, I love anime. Yeah, anime is like one of my loves. I love comic books. I love reading comic books. Right now I'm reading through the new Alien Marvel, which I have to like wait every Every month for it to come out, I have a tattoo of a, a face hugger in, I forget which armpit it is. I think this armpit. Yeah, I have a tattoo of a face hugger. So, like, some of my favorite movies are the Alien franchise, the Alien series. Um, Looper is probably one of my favorite movies up there with, you know, a lot of Star Wars. Like, like any definition of, like, geek stuff, I'm, I'm there for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I love it. I, yep. I play a lot of video games. I, I love the Final Fantasy series. I was really into COD for a long time. Back in 2015, I was top 1500 in the Southern Region for Call of Duty when it was still um, Black Ops before it turned over to Ghost. I was super, super into video games on Xbox for a long time. But now with a kid and like life, I don't have as much time. Um, but yeah, I love watching movies. I love going to the movies. I've been to the movies probably like half a dozen times since they've reopened, just because like. I love movies. I went and saw Godzilla. I went and saw. Oh, nice. Oh, dude, that that in a movie theater was just fucking mm, was fucking fantastic. Went and saw Mortal Kombat. Went and saw a Quiet Place Two, which was excellent. Um, but yeah, anything weird, anything cringe, anything far out there, I'm a huge, huge fan of. I get down with all that kind of stuff, and I feel like that's what like fits in like the Red Rising world, you know, really well. You know, I have I have a couple Star Wars tattoos, um, a couple samurai tattoos, like. Just really have an affection for just like old school, like weeb weird shit, and that's what I'm fucking like. That's what I'm here for. But obviously, like cooking, cookbooks, cooking shows, um, chef's table will always hold near and dear to my heart. I collect vinyls. Yeah, just like anything weird, man. Truly, it's uh, well rounded. Yeah, yeah, and like I love reading, and I don't have a lot of time for it now, so I've picked up on Audible. Um, mm-hmm. and I've, I've burned through a couple books. Other than, like, I literally put Red Rising, the, the series as a whole, as like background music. So when I'm prepping or when I'm cooking or when I'm doing like overnight cooks and stuff, it's just like playing in the background. I've probably truly listened, listened to Red Rising, like all five books, probably like at least 12 or 15 times a piece. Cause it just, cause it just plays as just like background music and mm-hmm. all intertwined with like, you know, some Jonathan Mayberry or, you know, Scott Sigler, those are some of my other like favorite authors. I love Stephen King. 
Um, but yeah, dude, like Red Rising just like plays like randomly in the background, like all the time. And then all the Red Rising podcasts and shit too. I'm just like getting into podcasts, but I'm trying to learn more about them and like be about them because I'm on a bunch of them. And like, like I said, like the shit you guys do is just like, it's on another level. It's very impressive. Thank you. Um, podcasts are cool though. I like listening to them and it's cool because uh, some of them have been on a long time. Mm-hmm. So you like this one paranormal podcast I listen to, they're talking about their kid. Like one of their kids is in middle school and the other one's like a baby. Uh-huh. And now like they're, one like the middle school kids in college and the other ones like uh going into middle school it's that's crazy wild. so it's like they're my friends almost that's even though i've never met wild. these people or talked to them well that's what's wild too about talking with you or with the guys from like words and whiskey or howler pod like when i got on the podcast with howler pod it's like i already knew ben and aaron ahead of time yeah. because like I, li- I yeah i literally they invited me on and i had listened to like an episode of their podcast i was like well fuck like i guess i should like listen to the podcast so i binged it over the course of, like two weeks before i was on it I was like, damn, these guys are fucking like talented. You know, they really deep dive and words and whiskey has like come up quite a bit. And like even like your podcast, when we started talking about me coming on here, I've been just all your all your shit, you know, over the course of like three days. And it's just it's just it's good to have. And you know, there's so many different outlooks people have on the same things that you are into. Like even when you get into like your cryptid stuff and like even like the other stuff, it's like I know a certain view from it, but you guys know so much more. You know, and like going through Howler Pod and listening to all their character breakdowns and their like their rereads and stuff is just like fucking like mind blowing. You know? Yeah, the yeah the way they analyze things, yeah, and man. date up little things you would never would have thought of, especially um, Heather with her historical stuff. Dude. Like I am, I'm a historian, but like she catches some of the ancient stuff. Like it's crazy, bro. Y'all are way too smart for me. I swear to fucking god, like, dude, you guys fucking kill it because even some of the stuff you go into about just like history and, and like the shit behind Mothman or like Bigfoot and stuff. And like, I bought that book, that um, Max Brooks book because of you. Oh, the devolution. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about, have you read it yet or checked it out? I'm in about three chapters. Okay. And so it's just like setting up and stuff. And it's like, and it's mm-hmm. when you dude, when you told me it was the same author as like world war Z, I was yeah, like, you I, had I was like, it. I'm fucking done dude. Cause I, world war Z yeah. is probably like one of my top 10 books of like all time. Cause just like the way. Yeah. Me too. Do you want to, Let's talk about it quick. So, like, it's just, I don't know why, but the way he writes it in all these different voices, it's so impactful. Like, whenever I read it, I get crazy nightmares for, like, a week. Because it's just, it's so real. Well, and he did such a good job of, and I don't know how the fuck he did it, honestly. I didn't, like, look into it or anything. But, like, he did such a good job of capturing every single person's view from it. Whether you were a soldier or you or you protected celebrities or you were a, a suburbia mom. Or um, you were a rich celebrity or, um, you know, you were a general in the fucking, like, Indian Army and stuff. He paints such a grand picture of everything going on. And the fact that it's, like, post the war, when people can talk about, like, their feelings and how they felt at the time. And, like, now how they feel, like, coming back. It, and, and it stretched so long where it was just, like, you know, quick, quippy, like, cool put together stories to some really fucking horrifying yeah stories you know so he did a the book is extremely balanced and i feel like he's an extremely balanced author and that's why when you said like yo like check out like the evolution i was like fuck dude sign me up sign me up world war z is so good this guy Matt brooks who's just like an author a comedian like mel brooks's son got a job teaching at west point but he wrote a zombie book and now he teaches at west point that's mel brooks's son unreal yeah oh shit 
I had mm-hmm. I had no clue. I had yep. no clue. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's why mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. That makes so much sense. But dude, that that book literally like led me to read like another twenty five like zombie books. Then at the time, it was like the peak of like zombie obsession, and the walk right. and the Walking Dead was out, and like 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 I said, I didn't have yeah, I didn't have cable, and so like I would go to like the local bar like around the corner from my house in like downtown Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, and we would watch it every Sunday, and I'd be like super enthralled. It, dude, it was dude, World War Z is a fucking masterpiece. And it sucks that the movie did it no justice at all. It's really weird too. Like <laughs> it would have been so easy just get like an A name at like just did an A name after made it a Netflix series. Yeah. Each episode is one of the chapters. Money grab. Money Very grab. easy to do it. And right. just do an anthology. The, the um director of that was originally when Red Rising was going to be adapted into a movie. The director of that was going to be the Red Rising Shut director. Shut the front door. No shit. Mm-hmm. Thank God that didn't yep. happen. I mean, like, as far as the Wikipedia page says, I'm not sure if that's legit, legit, but... I still stand behind very strongly that I don't think it should ever be adapted. It should just stay a book. I know it's going to be adapted eventually, but I'm going to have so many of my dreams fucking crushed that it should just just stay a book. Maybe a graphic novel. That actually leads me to one of my other questions. Is there anything that you would like to see adapted? In Red Rising or just, like, in general? Uh, in general, and then we can circle back to Red Rising. Oh no, man, that's World War Z done correctly. <laughs> um, that'd be cool. That would be dope. I, and I feel like I'm like such like on the fence with having Red Rising adapted or not. I mean, if they came out with like it as like an anime, I'd be fucking down, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but honestly, off the off the top of my head, there, there's honestly, we'll circle back to like the 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 alien shit. Like, there's. A lot of people don't know how vast the alien slash like predator universe is with like the comic books and Dark Horse and all the novels and all the abridged and all the omnibuses. Like there is such a rich, vibrant world of alien that I wish they would like get into. And Alien Covenant was it it hurt my soul, but I still watched it, I still own it. Um, I really think they were onto something with Prometheus. It just fell a little bit short, but there's just so much alien franchise like content out there that they can use. But it's like the same thing with the Star Wars universe, right? Where like there's 40 years of fucking, you know, extended universe of the EU. And like they were just like, nope, throw that out the fucking window. Let's just all do and I mean given like Mandalorian's dope, the Bad Batch is dope, but they're like when I hear like when I see comments and shit of, of them being like, there's just not enough, you know, there's just not enough reference material for mm-hmm. Star Wars. I'm just like, where the fuck y'all been? Like, there's 40 right. years. I mean, in their defense, a lot of it is a mixed bag. Not all of it is. Uh, oh, half of it's terrible. Good. Half of it's fucking terrible. Right. But like, take the other, right. take the quarter, take the eighth of what is good, and just just they should have just adapted Thrawn. Like, who cares? Dude. Just change it slightly so that like the new people are at the center because the people the, the original. People were old. I know. And just have Thrawn be the bad guy of the sequel trilogy. I get, change it a little bit. Dude, I get so angry and start talking about the last couple Star Wars movies. But we won't get into that because it's right. going to make me cry. But other than that adapted, I don't know. I mean, okay. all the Dragon Balls, dude, they're coming out with a Cowboy Bebop live action series on Netflix. And I'm just like, 
I'm so reserved behind it because like Cowboy Bebop to me is like the epitome of anime. And it's just, it's so good and it's so dialed and it's so short and it leaves a cliffhanger that's just like ambiguous and they'll never make like a sequel to it or anything. Um, I honestly would like to see like a Gundam movie adapted in the same way that like uh, Pacific Rim was. Pacific Rim's another sick ass movie that I I walked in with like zero expectations and it just fucking like mm-hmm. it just fucking blew my mind. But like Gundam, um that's really it though. Okay. Yeah, man, I I like books being books. I like graphic novels being graphic novels and I like, you know, other shit just like staying the way it is. I'm very plain Jane when it comes to that. So I've been thinking about Red Rising because it's been rumored and, you know, soon TM news coming out. I know. But I've been thinking, like, so all these things, like, we're, like, you know, almost guaranteed to be disappointed by the show, no matter how great it is. So I'm like, what if we just, instead of adapting the stories, we just make new stories in that universe on a different medium? So, like, just give us the Conquering TV show instead because he doesn't want to, you don't want to write the book. Cool. Genius. Write the TV show. Genius. Stuff like that. Fucking genius. Or like, my here's Conspiracy Corner. I think we're doing a video game at some point. Because there was like a couple years ago, Pierce posted on consecutive, consecutive days. He was like, and Bungie, which I think made Halo. He was like, no, but, yeah, Halo Studio. Bungie and then Bungie turned into 3.3. Yeah. And then he was like, wherever they make uh, World of Warcraft the next day. And I was like, Conspiracy Thomas is on it. We're doing a Red Rising video game. I'd be dope. I, I, Pierce is writing Halo. Yeah, dude. That's another thing I fucking get down with super hard is Halo. I'm super excited for Halo Infinite. I will re- redact my last statements, and I would love to see a Halo Reach show because Halo Reach was okay. Halo Reach was so much different than like you know Master Chief and everything else. Mm-hmm. Halo Reach is. I think that's the only one I really played like a ton of. Dude, I beat that game in a night. I literally got back like I had to go to I had to go to corner school the next morning. I should you know this, this is a true story. The game had come out that day. I'd bought it, but then I went out with like my friends, like my girlfriend at the time. I went home, snorted Adderall, and then I beat the game in like 12 hours and then went to culinary school. You can either put that on the podcast or not, but it's a fucking true story. Dude. Um, that brings us to another of our shared loves. The still relatively new series, Invincible, from Amazon Prime. So that, I'm going to ISO for a second, Incredible. I started watching it when it came out, uh, so I got the first three episodes right away, and then I had to wait every week, and it was sucked, but it was really cool, Damn. and as soon as it finished, I was like, I was on Instagram, I was on Twitter, I was like, everyone watch this goddamn show, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Dude, when that, when, when Invincible came out, I saw it, and people were just like, hey, you should probably watch this, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. I didn't get, ex- I, didn't, I didn't, like, start watching it until episode like six seven eight when the memes started coming out and i saw the memes and i was like bruh can i get basically like 90 percent of my news from memes like that's just a that's just what it is in my life now um and reddit and shit and so like i follow like a lot of reddits that are super comic booky super you know nerd weebo whatever you want to call it and so i was like fuck you like i should probably watch this show and it when i who did I fucking talk to? I talked to, oh, my buddy Eric in Chicago. He had told me about it like probably like three or four weeks before. He was like, hey, there's a, because sh- we always talk about anime and we have this like group chat. 
And he's like, hey, there's a show Invincible. Like, you need to watch it. He's like, I know you're into, like, some fucked up shit. And I know, like, you like gore and, like, superheroes and stuff. Just watch it. I was like, yeah, I'll get around to it. And he's like, just make it to the last four minutes of the episode. Didn't even, like, didn't even think, like, didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Didn't even put two and two together. And then I started, like, a couple weeks later, I started seeing all the, um, like, the memes and stuff. And I was just like, dude, I gotta watch this. Bro, like, I watched that first episode. And the first, you know, and those are, and, like, those are long episodes, too. That's the other thing. Yeah, they're 45-minute animated 45 minutes, almost an hour. Show. I'm used to anime episodes where, like, anime episodes, like, in general, are around 24 minutes. You take out the intro and the outro, they're right around you know, like 19 minutes, 20 minutes on some. So I, I can bang through anime like motherfucker. And so like, I watched the whole episode and like the first 40 minutes, I'm like, yeah, this is cool. Like it's his death. And like, I really like the trailer and I really like what they did with the trailer. And it's him and Mark, you know, throwing the ball like literally around the world. Mm-hmm. And they're just like standing there and he's just like, there's going to be some things that you're going to have to do, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, that's cool. Like I'm interested in it. That four fucking minutes of the last episode the the credits rolled and i didn't move for like three minutes yeah i was really just like i don't know what, what? the fuck this i was like i don't know what just happened but i'm into it and then i went on to watch like this <laughs> next like you know four episodes and some of them are slow some of them are better but it sets it up really nicely and you really get a, a good feel for the characters and how they're fleshed out, you know, but dude, that first episode left, it left me shook. And I was at the point where like, I could watch all eight back to back to back. Cause I think that week I had watched the first three and that's when did it come out on a Sunday or like a Saturday. I think it came out. Um, I think it came out on Fridays because it was with uh, Falcon and winter soldier. That's right. Cause I would watch one during the day and then, and so it would come out on friday and i remember that friday was when the eighth episode aired and so like i just watched like a couple episodes a night all week until i like and i hit the the the, uh the finale at the same time like everyone else was and i remember watching the finale and it's the same thing with like you know with with like golden sun and stuff where like i watched the finale and i and i just wasn't right like I ran it back. Oh, dude, I, I was just like, I, I, I was like, what just fucking happened? And like, as, yep. and I try to tell people all the time, like as a father, I mean, I have, I have a daughter and I've always wanted a, a son and with just like my MMA career and just like with barbecue and stuff like, I, like Nalani, our daughter knows a lot about food and knows a lot about just like in general, like she knows about the fires and stuff and she's going to be five um, on Thursday. So it's like, she's young, but to have like a son and be that guy and literally dude literally that last last episode when and it did a good job of explaining like if there was a superman entity or if there was a you know quote unquote like superhero that lived on our planet who was was basically indestructible like how what does it take for him to turn into a a a, a red sun how long does it take for him to turn into um a fucking like dictator you, you know what i mean like right. it's, it's it's really hard for us to kind of like wrap our heads around that because we grew up with like oh like superman is like the ultimate good guy batman is a good guy but has his you know his quirks you know he like holds people <laughs> off and, like back in the day he used to kill people yep. and shit so it's like it's hard to like for us to even conceptualize that like if there was like a superman or a superhero who literally could not be killed, who could not be like basically like touched, 
like what does it take for that entity to be like well y'all are killing each other y'all are fucking each other over y'all are fucking like i'm just going to take over this whole situation here Mm -hmm. and we've also taken over like thousands of other fucking planets too yeah which is just like it's 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 very humbling to like even think about you know and and i love the way they set up the the father and the son like relationship and how they've kind of like built up and like kind of like you know made them together and i i as a parent i I hate to fucking say it, but like I get what what's what's his, what's his Earth name? I always forget. It. Uh, Nolan. Nolan. I I I I honestly like as a parent, I, I kind of get what Nolan is trying to tell Mark, where it's like, look, dude, like we are on such a long timeline. We are on the longest timeline. We like we, and even when he would talk about how the older he gets the young like the the younger or or the older he gets the The stronger stronger and like how much more his like life slows down so like who knows how Mm -hmm. old nolan's been or how many other like these relationships that he's had in the past god knows how many years that he's fucking lived and so like to watch him try to explain to him and then resort to violence as like a father it's like it's crazy to see that and not expect like that would actually like really happen. Like that's a real life scenario. That is a true blue real life scenario. Like all the Superman shit, all the Batman shit, all the like, all the other superheroes, you know, flying, saving the day and stuff. It's great and it's awesome, but Invincible did a fantastic job of really trying to make us wrap our heads around the fact that like in a real fucking world, especially now when we're all against each other and the world basically like burning down in front of our eyes, like what would it take for someone like a Nolan, an Omni man to step in and be like, Y'all are fucking up. We can give you not just free healthcare, but we can cure all your diseases. We can cure all your climate change. We you will have unending peace for that. Your the human species will go on for the next millennia without problem. And how hard it would be for us humans to like give that up, and how hard it was for Mark to give that up. Mark is like, it's my friends, it's my buddies, like I love my mother, and like that meme where it's just like, ding think mark yeah but that means so fucking true where it's like think about it man like you will live for the next twenty thousand years this is a this is a speck on your timeline this is this is a a a blip on your fucking timeline so why do you care about these but mark doesn't know any different because he's a teenager and that's that's like what he's like built right which uh, he's only experienced 18 of those twenty thousand years i know and i feel 16 even and the fact that like nolan had to wait in case that like you know, he wasn't a, was a, a Viltrumite? Is that, is that the word? Mm-hmm. Viltrumite? It's like, if he's not a Viltrumite or whatever, and at the same time too, truly when it boils down to the fucking nuts and bolts, like Mark is the only one that can technically threaten Nolan in like a long-term kind of like game. Yeah. You know, like the, the, and like, dude, that last episode was dope too. Cause they like, they drop all the shit on him and they, they bring out these like, I thought it was really funny and cool where it's like the government dropped this like monster that they had like caged up. And like, you know, damn mm-hmm. well that fucking the government has that kind of shit. Fucking Area 51 or underneath the ground or some shit. Mm-hmm. And like, we're dropping nukes on him and stuff and it just didn't even affect him. It just made him more pissed. And like, the, yeah. and he just beats the shit out of Mark. And you can tell that like Nolan really feels for his son, but it's just like, dude, like, I'm just saying like, I fucking like get it. It's not the right way to answer things, but like, I, as a parent, like, I fucking like get it. Like, like it's just like I see that meme in my head all the time. Think, Mark. Think. Like none of this fucking matters. None of it fucking matters. It is seriously true when you think of that in like an abstract way. 
And that's why I'm like super excited to like buy the comics and like read into it more because dude, that first, like, dude, I told you like that, that episode ended and I was just like, I was just like sitting on the couch and then like my wife was already asleep and the next one she's like you okay i'm like i don't know because this show really fucked with my like mind as like a parent as like as like a human <laughs> and like because truly like no one's trying to bring in like a golden age of like man like they cure all fucking um like you're all disease everything will be like like literally it'll be a fucking utopia it will literally be like the perfect mm-hmm. world but like humans are so against giving up their freedoms and that kind of shit to that you know it's just it, dude that that show just fucking Dude, that should have me shook for all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so I think the basic inspiration for the comet series is that uh, Robert Kirkman, who also created The Walking Dead, wrote that comet. Uh, he wanted to do like a Spider-Man type story, uh-huh. but he wanted it to have stakes and not have to undo anything cool that he did. The next issue, yeah, yeah, type of thing. Like, so that so Invincible, it's like it's a family drama, it's a teenage drama, it's like all these things it is it is very and then also it, yeah. there's the spider-man like aspect of his teenager like learning to grapple with his godlike powers and then it gets i'm gonna do this is like a slight spoiler it goes intergalactic in scope which is why they had to and get the animated series i think because it gets huge it, it, and i mean it's kind of like red rising too where it's just like the world building so much more immense than what they realized like the humans in the show realized i just do i remember the episode that got me and like really set me up for the rest of the series was the one where he the the aliens are trying to attack and like time works differently for them and stuff and so he or nolan like runs through the fucking uh the the, the space time continuum portal is on this and then like literally spins you know like like a year destroying the fucking earth and then has them like rebuild the thing and he comes back and his hair is all long and, and everything and it really ties into the last episode where just like time doesn't fucking matter to him it it truly doesn't like it, time is a concept that he doesn't build his life around which is another thing that i don't think civilization and humans can like really wrap their heads around we all got we all we all got a, on our best day has a hundred a hundred year you know timetable to do whatever the fuck we want with Nolan, I mean, not only does not only is he fucking a, a god, but he is also, you know, it, it it's so low on his priorities. It's it's fucking insane. A whole planet is so low on his priorities, you know. And the fact that they only send one Viltrumite to each planet to overthrow the entire planet is another thing that's just like fucking like holy shit. Like, and so I am curious, like, how long Nolan's been, or you know, Omni Man has been in the you know, has has been a soldier. How many other fucking planets has he, like, knocked down and stuff? And the other thing about the show, too, is just, like, the animation is just so thought out and just so well done. And just, like, every time, like, the new Invincible sign comes up, there's blood splatter all over it, and it, and it increases. And even, like, one thing that sticks out in my mind, too, is when Nolan is flying off the Earth, and he ha- he's, he's, he's just covered in, you know, Mark's blood, and it just, and it burns off in the atmosphere, and he's crying, and, and the fucking tears are burning off. It's just such a picturesque of like how shows should be done and how things should be written and like it it was dude it was it was prime my good man it was fucking prime but I remember like yeah, I was always no go, go, ahead, go ahead I was anti I was anti Red Rising being adapted as an animated show before Invincible but now I'm like whatever I'm in like as long as we get a great voice cast just like yeah nail it like and a good fucking director into it. and someone that can just put the aces right. in their places because 
one thing that Invincible did show, and I mean, and that's the other thing, like Invincible, it's not Rick and Morty, it's not, it's not anime per se, you know, it's not uh, BoJack Horseman, it's still a fucking cartoon, it, it's still a cartoon, it's an animated series, but it hits on so many more notes than what a Beavis and Butthead or a Rick and Morty can do, even though they hit on their own great points. I mean, not, maybe not Beavis and Butthead because that shit's just funny as fuck all the way through, but like even like Rick and Morty where it's like underlying jokes and 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 really subtle but like invincible really exemplified how good story writing and good just like animated directing can go very very well yeah you're talking invincible invincible slapped it's a good yeah, i'm so glad i like randomly watched it and then got obsessed with it dude and the same thing we're like i watched it because i was just like oh dude i'm gonna run behind all these memes i don't want to like because it was on my docket to like, kind of watch it and then i started seeing the meme the meme that got me was the uh the pet one yeah <laughs> oh yeah i saw that fucking there are some everywhere and i was just like okay i don't know what this pertains to but i want to find out yeah and it makes so much sense. It make it makes so much, and that's the kind of shit I'm talking about with like fucking invincible. Like it makes so much sense that he would look at his wife as like a fucking like pet, like a dog, like like a, like mm-hmm. a cat, because like dude, his his world is so much more vast than. I don't, and I don't know if you picked on it yet, but like I really like bad guys and I really like fucking villains. But like, and I try to fucking like level with them, but like dude, like it, the world's just so much more vast than what mark and his mother are like used to or any of the any of the other and like dude all the other like side projects and like all the other side stories are fucking great too like the twins that was and dude like the Mahler twins and, are the best and dude how they dial those things in and just like slip them in underneath like you know the the hood i'm just like that's fucking genius you know it's so genius and like pairing uh run the jewels anytime the Mahler twins do something cool dude. that was like brilliant it was dude it was a great soundtrack too that like I said, like that is a very well. That's just like a very well put together fucking series. Like it was just very well mm-hmm. put together, and it came out of nowhere too. And I remember yeah. seeing, like I said, I remember seeing the trailer, and I remember being like, "Oh, that looks dope." But it was that scene where you know they're throwing they're throwing the baseball literally around the earth, and they're catching it. it has that like very like like very undertone basic music where it's like, like I said, as a as a parent, you always want to throw the ball to your kid, but like if your kid's a fucking superhero, you got to throw it around the fucking earth. Yeah, and, and like basically t- did not, and I know a lot of people said they saw it, did not see the fucking Nazi Nolan coming. I, I re- it really caught me off guard. It really, really did. I know a lot of people were just like mm-hmm. my buddy Enrique that I told to watch it. He was like, oh yeah, I saw that coming in like season like in episode six or like episode like five. And I was like, no, dude. When mm-hmm. he was like, we are basically like gonna blitzkrieg your planet, take it over. I, I was like, mm-hmm. oh my god, like he's not fucking Superman. He's not fucking like. But it makes so much sense because he took out the the, the yeah. Legion of Heroes, so he could do that, and so there would be no yeah, resistance. The Guardians of the Globe. I tell you what, though, I was surprised how much of a fight the Guardians of the Globe put up in retrospect after mm-hmm. he dec- right. after he decimated a fucking planet, a planet. That's true. Yeah. So, in addition to Invincible, Amazon has another sort of subversive superhero show, The Boys. And I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I'm just curious which one you think is a better, like, subversion of superhero tropes and comics. That's a, dude, that is a tough, that's a tough question. And I only, and just so everyone knows, I only watched The Boys because 
you told me, like you didn't tell me to, but you told me to, to compare Omni Man to Homelander. I was like, who the fuck's Homelander? Mm-hmm. And I Googled it and I started watching The Boys and I was completely enthralled. I think the world, I think the world building in Invincible is better, but I think not all of them, but a particular few characters are better in The Boys. Okay. I think Homelander is a better fleshed out, fucked up individual. And what would really happen, and like they're two, they're two different people, right? Where Omni-Man came from another planet and already knew who the fuck he was and already knew he was a gangster mm-hmm. and already knew he was a fucking militant psychopath. Homelander was raised on Earth to be a god, to basically like be a god and was like basically like babied and wasn't raised by parents or by people or anything. He was raised by doctors and fucking scientists to be the best version of himself. So I think the characters are two completely different, but they're on the same page. But I think Homelander is a little bit better fleshed out because of who he is from his youth. Where we don't really, in the show for Invincible, we really don't know who Nolan Omni-Man was in his youth. Does that make sense? No, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Yes. But, I mean, yeah. And if, we only have one season of Invincible, and a lot of the one season hinged on us not knowing who Nolan was. True, 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 true. And so we, I think we will get more. Do you think, I mean, if you put them next to each other, I liked invincible much better than the boys. I did too. Cause I feel like it was built more towards my like likes and dislikes. But I mm-hmm. really enjoyed the boys as far as like how deep it went into like, what would happen if we had all these, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and it goes into a better version of it too, which is like, being raised in like American society and, and, and like having all these like superheroes and stuff, how mentally fragile a lot of them would be with having to, right. to execute at that level so often. That's why Homelander's all fucked up and, you know, he's drinking titty milk half the time and, you know, bizarre. And dude, the, dude when they pull, what's again, spoilers for the boys, but when they show his son at the end of season one, I was like, holy mm-hmm. shit. And, I mean, correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but like in my mind, they were raising what's his name, uh, Homelander's son, to basically, possibly, if they had to counteract Homelander in like the future. That I mean, that makes sense. I haven't done a lot of critical thinking about the boys because I didn't, I just didn't like resonate with me that much. I smoke way too much meat to uh, I don't not think about this in depth. No, I doubt you. I just like. I don't know. I just thought it wasn't like I don't think the boys as a show is as clever as it thinks it is. I don't think it's like as deep as it thinks it is. It's and all that stuff. So that's why I liked Invincible more because it's like a genuine superhero story that touches on a lot of those same themes and elements. It's whereas the boys is like that's a lot of shock. It it, it dude, and that's the other thing too. Like I know Invincible is gory and I know there's a lot of blood, but I feel like there was a shit ton of fanfare in the boys. Like dude, people. Mm-hmm. Like, even like the first episode when fucking like homeboy like runs through uh yeah you guys girlfriend Huey's Huey's girlfriend but at, but at the same time I feel like they both capture such a great aspect of like truly like if we had this like superhero tandem tag team that was owned by a private you know sector company mm-hmm. all the fucking insurance that would have to go into it all the um all the stuff that you'd have to be prepared for for people like fucking right. trade and running through fucking humans and stuff. You know, and and I think not that the boys is better than than 
Invincible, what really kind of like broke the boys out of this little box for me was when him and Maeve, Marv, Maeve, Maeve, Maeve. Highlander and Maeve were on the, on the, on the, on the plane. Mm-hmm. And just like, same thing, same thing with fucking like with, with Omni Man, like thinking through like the literal versions of this. And like Homeland is like, what, you want me to fucking fly down 132 times? And like the thing's gonna crash in, you know, 20 seconds? Like, what are we supposed to do? And then literally turns it and she's like, well, take the daughter, like take the kid, like what? So she can fucking mm-hmm. tell the media that we fucking left everyone else and we fucked up? Like, dude, that, that shit is like, these shows are getting so good at showing like what kind of like what the real fucking world, because we grew all, we all grew up with, 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 Superman and with Batman and like Batman was like you know the anti-hero kind of like middleman bad like good guy bad guy but he would just like hold someone over the fucking edge of the thing and they would like give up where the mm-hmm. Joker was at now we're looking at characters and development that are just like no like I will fuck I have the power to kill somebody and I fucking will if it impedes how forward I go through you know and just like the way mm-hmm. he's like Americanized and he's super about like the the, the, the good old country and, and supporting the troops and yeah. stuff and it's a very scary thing because like heaven forbid in 50, 100, 300 years from now, we do finally develop superpowers and people are injected and stuff. Like where do we stand on giving people fucking godlike powers when the rest of us are still just trying to like mill through the fucking like the, the everyday life? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the boys kind of captured pretty well because after you find out that all the powers are basically bought and paid for instead of like being a god-given gift. And, and yeah, from their literally nazi scientist project paperclip dude when all that shit. when that shit popped up i was like damn they're really gonna go there i thought it was a little too yeah that it was, a too, it was like too much because it like it was just like of course it's fucking nazi scientists and they want to fucking you know mm-hmm. the third reich fucking blah, blah blah i was like of course it is not that it's lazy like la- lazy writing but it's it's semi-lazy writing but i was just like i mean cool whatever and, mm-hmm. but dude the ending of the second season though the same thing with like with, with Invincible. It was, dude. The ending of it was very like holy fuck, and like and yeah. he's trying to like talk to his son and shit, but he knows that his son is the only one that could ever like fucking like step to him, you know. So he mm-hmm. has to walk away, and then all there's, there's all this media exposure and all this Instagramming and all this Facebooking and stuff. I think that's what the boys captured really well. Where like Invincible captured the human relation and the father and son relation really well, where the boys kind of fell short. I think the boys captured like the social media aspect and how like our world mm-hmm. works now and how those guys have, cause like you see like Hopelander is always just like, Oh, you got to turn it on and fucking, you know, do the fucking do the chicken dance, you know? And yeah. Maeve's an alcoholic and, uh, what's the, what's the Aquaman version? What's his name? The deep, the deep, the deep. He's, he's going through dude, it. He's, all, he's having a rough dude, He's all fucked up. I like, I, it's also crazy because he's like a terrible person and they make you feel bad for him and it's like that's that is like there are parts of the boys that is very well done i just think like other parts like they're i just like it's realistic what they portray yeah. but i just don't think that there are it's not like i think at certain points like they're just being sexist yeah you know 100%, what i mean yeah yeah and i i like i like i really think that like invincible i agree with you like it's a better rounded show but i mean the boys had some really strong points when it comes to that kind of, and then like, yeah. and then like kicking off a train and how they're like, some heroes get in and some heroes get out. And it's like this little like clicky thing. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole background of, uh, I always call it Starfire, but Starlight, right? Or did I get those backwards? 
Starlight. I think it is Starlight and Starfire's Teen Titans, right? Yeah, that's what that's where I always get fucked up. But it's just like she, dude, she's going through it, and with her, dude, and mm-hmm. with her mom and stuff, and it it does some really good versions of hitting on those like human notes. But I think I agree with you, like Invincible, it just hits it so much harder, and just like mm-hmm. dude, just like think, Mark, think, like none of this fucking matters. Because I mean, I and the way we look at it, I mean, I think Homelander will eventually die because he has like a normal. But he, but he might not. We we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. But I just don't know. But dude, when we when we found out that like he was the one peddling all the, I forget what the the virus is called. The, the terrorist suit. Yeah. What they call. So he could literally just like go over there and like fuck people up. I was like, damn, that's that's some fucking chauvinistic shit right there. That's some fucking one note. Yeah, he's just yeah. I get it yeah, though, and it is cool. It is crazy too because like. As of right now, nobody can even come close to stepping to him. Uh-huh. So he could kill everybody. And it's just like he doesn't because he needs them. Like he needs their love. He needs, he needs that validation. Like fear yeah. or or love. It's like crazy. No, I, I do think they capture Holander really well, but Yeah, he's he's great. It's just like other parts I fall flat to me. There's a lot and yeah, like I, I know just... a lot of people get a really big heart on for like Billy Butcher and for um mm-hmm. Mother's Milk and then um the the uh the French Frenchy, yeah, French, or... yeah, Frenchy, and then like the, um, what's her name? The the Asian woman. I don't know if she has a name. I... Oh, Kyoto or something. Yeah, Kyoto. Uh, Kimiko. I can't K- say it. Kimiko. Kimiko. And like I, I, but I, they don't dive enough into those people's like backstory. So you don't, you don't like you feel for Mother's Milk because he has a daughter, and like I get it and I understand it. Mm-hmm. But like until like halfway through the first season, Frenchy's just a drug running fucking psychopath. So I have no, yeah. I have no empathy for him as a character to be like, oh, I feel bad because he just like got his fucking like arm ripped off, or like, and and like, I don't really feel bad when him and Kimiko can't kind of like, like because there's there's not enough character building between those characters, you know what I mean? Like you feel for Huey, but you can't feel as much for Huey as you do for like Mark, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because like with Huey, it's like, oh, like you know, my mother died when I was young, my girlfriend got ran through like my dad's a fucking psychopath like just soft but it's like it, it was i feel like it was more for like awkward like shock factor and just having him be that weird sidekick than like anything else and like billy butcher like i get what they were trying to do with the character but there's just so many just like plot holes and just like just like fucking like thrusting it up and in where he's just like mm-hmm. that british fucking you, you know like he snuck in and out of the the compound where they literally keep america's best asset like 20 times you know and didn't even get yeah hit. no big deal yeah you know what i mean so it's just like shit like it's just like shit like that where lazy writing doesn't make up for like the great parts of the rest of the show so i have the surprise question and then the lightning round yeah and just so everyone knows i have not heard these questions yet well if you did listen to all of them you have heard this one do you believe in bigfoot i do believe in bigfoot nice i do i i i think it's one of those things where we haven't I agree with some of your other guests where it's like I don't think it's a singular entity. Like I don't think I don't think there's just one Bigfoot. Right. But I do think there is a semi more intelligent group of bipedal animals mm-hmm. that are that are a couple 
notches above like a bear or a moose or something and they understand that humans are bad for them and humans bring destruction and death and they know to avoid us and they know to bury their dead far away they know to stay away from us and i think the more we deep dive into forests and and i and i and i believe it's like across the world right i believe there's different flavors and different species of them in the mm -hmm. amazon in the I, I totally believe in like the yetis that are in mm -hmm. you know southeast asia and up through russia and a lot of parts of mongolia i have a very strong feeling that they are truly like the missing link and they're in between us and like i mean apes is such like a roundabout term but i think they're intelligent enough that know that we're fucking bad and they know to mm -hmm. stay away from us and they know to not let us find their tracks or their bones but every once in a while obviously someone will slip up and that's why we have pictures and documentations mm -hmm. and stuff like that so you think it's a flesh and blood creature not one of the like the theories where it blips in and out of existence it's like an alien drone thing no i do not i have okay. a, i mean we can get into that but i do believe strongly that they are flesh and blood they're hella hairy um mm -hmm. and that they they in, intelligently stick to themselves because humans are fucking poison they're, that we're toxic mm -hmm. to the environment to them to any they see us killing moose and bears and they know it'd be like you know like these things are fucking evil these little hairless bigfoots are evil so let's stay away from them i mean that's more or less where i'm at and if that. they want to adopt me because i wear a size 15 shoe they can take me back into the forest sounds like a good deal if you're listening out there any sasquatch in the audience fucking adopt take me boy. so i'm just gonna get into the lightning round looper what is your favorite book the mortality key uh okay. no dark age then immortality key Okay. Uh, favorite color? Red and then black. Nice. Would you rather cook one duck the size of a horse or 100 duck-sized horses? One duck the size of a horse. Why? Because I already cook a lot of ducks, mm -hmm. and I've done whole hogs and quarter cows, so I know how to use big primal cuts, and I know how to smoke and cook big pieces of meat. And I think it would actually work really well because ducks are fucking delicious. Mm -hmm. And if you fabricate them correctly, they can come out fantastic. Okay. So it's not because like the horses would be traumatic to uh, cook at all. I would I would cook horse. I would okay. cook. I would eat horse. Even little ones. Yeah, dude. I, I would eat okay. dolphin. Dude, if something wow. like no bullshit, if no bullshit, someone fucking prepared me human in the correct way, I would try it just to oh say I'm gonna right. dude. I am I am here. For a good time, not a long time. Okay. And I feel it would help heighten my culinary expertise to another um, level. Fair enough, I guess. <laughs> I don't know that I would indulge in the Soylent Green, but that's just me. Maybe a hot take. Yeah, dude. I, dude I would eat cat. I'd eat dog. I don't give a shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, you know, coincidentally, maybe not so coincidentally, that's that's all I have for you today. Um, yeah, anything else anything else you want to get off your chest no man thank you for having me on and thank you for letting me talk for two hours about invincible and superheroes and red rising and everything else in between and yeah no, i just really appreciate being on and i love your passion for the red rising fandom and our community and you along with all the other people that are doing these kind of things are a huge 
inspiration for the rest of us. You know, because like I said earlier, like when I started reading Red Rising and I was knocking out these books left after right, like I'm super jealous of all the people that are finishing them now where there's podcasts like yours, um, Howler Pod, Hail Reaper, um, Words and Whiskey. There's a full-blown Reddit. There's Discords. There's there's so much more. There's PB Doodles now. There's there's just so much more. There's shit escalates. You know, at, like I'm wearing the shirt, you know, but like there's so much more now um, than, it, than there was when like you and I started reading these books. And it just like, it makes me so happy that to find other people that are just as passionate and like obsessed about these books other than like us weirdos. Yeah. I mean, that's been the coolest thing about this podcast is I've met people like you. Like I never would have met you if I didn't right. start a podcast. That's like, really cool. Yeah, dude. And it's just like, it's just, it's wild. Like, like I said, like Zen and, um, and hyena frog have come out and like bought barbecue and has tried our barbecue and stuff. And, you know, so it's just, it's, it's, it's not just like a community. It's not just a fandom now. It's a, it's a fucking, it's a community. Like there's so many people that are just like about it and like they care about it. Like I'm not the only one with a Red Rising tattoo. I know there's hell other people with Red Rising t- tattoos and stuff. And, you know, from me and, you know, quote unquote, the rest of the howlers, you know, we just really appreciate and we really are grateful for what y'all are doing for the community. You know, like I literally have like Hicks on Leonis, like, painted in in my prep room you know that that just gives that just makes my i consider myself more of a lion than a than a than a wolf but i'm down with omnivore lupus like i I get down with it but i mean hits on leonis is way cooler honestly dude that's just it's it's a cooler saying i'm sorry it's so gangster it's so fucking gangster and like i know everyone's obsessed with like the howlers and stuff and like i honestly like i really want to be an obsidian but I really want to be a gold. And I do. I want to go to war. I want to be in a... Fun- Anyone that says they don't want to be a gold, even if they like it's a pitsy gold where they're just partying all the time, like, you're lying. You want to be a gold. I don't... Like, I know... I don't care how virtuous, how moral you are. You want to be a gold. Dude, I want to be a legit peerless scarred. I want to fucking fall in reins. I want to mm-hmm. be in a star shell. I want to wear pulse armor. I want to use a razor. I want to go to the bleeding place. I want to... Dude, I want to... Like, every time I... want to drive places, a Range Rover. You want to make bank. Fuck yeah, dude. Like, I want to be those types of golds that just, like, that are just, like, the 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 height of humanity. And I want to mm-hmm. duel. I want to fucking, like I said, like, like, when in that last chapter, or in the last couple chapters of uh, Morningstar, when, when Darrow and Victra and Holiday are all rolling through um, the Colossus? Is it Colossus? And uh, it's, like, road ship. Yeah, and it's, like, corridor fighting. Dude, that shit is just like fucking put me in there. Just I just dude, I just want to be part of mm-hmm. it. Anyways, that, welcome to my TED talk about how I want to be a gold. Thank you. Like I said, and I mean honestly, you can put this in the podcast now or whatever. But like, dude, like I like I'm trying to just like knock through all the um like through all like the Red Rising podcast because mm-hmm. it's it's like I said, it's just so wild to like finally find a community. And because now like, like internets and interwebs are just so much different than literally what it was like, in, like when I first read these books in 2015, 2016, there wasn't, there wasn't this type of like fandom. There wasn't this type of like group of people who were like fucking about, you know, the red rising, like dude, when I, and I said it, cause you listen, you listen to my podcast on, on Hallerpod, right? Yep. And so like when I met Pierce Brown in July of, I think it was 2000. Yeah, it was 2019. I'm pretty sure. So not too long ago, um, 
but that's when dark age came out and so like i was like the first one in line and stuff dude the amount of people in line and just like the fact that everyone howled when he came out and just like the passion and just like dude people fucking get down with these the series and the fandom is one of the craziest i've ever kind of like intertwined with because like i'm like I, I get into like the halo fandom a little bit but like this mm. one's more like personalized you know like i know you i know ben and aaron i know like the hail reaper guy is kind of like on like the outskirts of their lives like i know mm-hmm. you know words and whiskey pot and stuff. like so it's like it's so much more intertwined and so much like more personalized and we're so much more personalized to like the characters and like whether you're a rogue sympathizer or you're like fuck rogue i love cassius like it, it doesn't matter where you're at in the venom everyone's still fucking like super entwined together and that's what and that's what's cool about it man that's what's super fucking cool about it you know it, it's been fucking crazy it's been crazy to see it like grow like that yeah it's awesome it's like i told you guys mm-hmm. now you'll see yeah dude and so like to be not the head of it but like to be like one of like the ogs were like trying to get on holler pod and like i got to meet pierce brown and like dude like when i read dark age this is this is like a weird story but like when i read dark age i read the first couple chapters when i was still in san diego and then i had to go back to chicago um because that's like where i lived at the time and like slowly as like i was reading through dark age i was i would read it every day when i rode the train into work and i read it every night when i rode home from work and I was, I would literally sit there with the book and I swear to God, I'm sure there was people that who were less like looking at me like, what is he reading? Oh my God. Cause I was, there was a couple times where I would just fucking slam it closed and I would like put it in my lap and be like, yep. Especially dark. Age. I did that. I was like dog sitting for my mom and I was just like, slam the book shut. Like Drew, what the fuck, dude? But it's, it's, funny, it's though, that book. Because, and it's funny cause like in the beginning, I was super against listening to the books and I tried to listen to it a couple times. And I, I always told my friends, I was just like, yeah, it's, it's not for me. It's really not my jam. I'm not feeling it. Like I'm like, I was, I was a very like, like a book purist for a long time. And then finally I, I got into the books and I started listening to them and really like listening to them, listening to them. And like I said, like now it's just like, I don't listen to music when I prep, I listen to fucking like red rising and I've listened to it over and over and over again because I'll catch stuff and I'll see stuff that Tim Gerard Reynolds, what is it? Yeah. He does, he just does such good inflections and like, and that's what really cemented dark age as a whole, because dude, listening to dark age and then like, even listening to like golden sun, still my top two favorite books, but dark age is just so fucking brutal and just so heart wrenching, you know? And especially when like, you know, Virginia gets taken by the mob and stuff. And like, I've done it a couple ways where like, I'll go back and I'll listen through all of Darrow's chapters in succession. And then I'll listen to all like, like Lysander's in succession. And you get a different look on the books. And that's why I really, I hate to say it, but like, that's why I really started enjoying Lysander because Lysander is just like, he's a fucking enigma. He like, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing with his life. You know, he's just trying to make it work in the best of his abilities. And it's just like Rope where like in his own story, and his, you know, his his story, he's the fucking hero. And re-listening to those chapters of them taking the bridge in Morning's Star and taking the bridge away from Roke, it's it's a tough listen. And it really opens up your mind and like your heart to like these characters because if you just listen to it all the way through, or if you read it all the way through, you're like, okay, yeah, like fuck Roke, fuck Lysander, fuck all these people, like all shit. 
But if you really listen to it and look at it from their point of view, how like Rope really feels he's the he's the fucking like hero of his story. Like Rope right. truly he's the last hope against the world breaker. He yeah, man. He really and I mean and I get like I guess Adrius kind of felt the same way and Cassius in some capacity, but Rope truly felt that like yo, like this guy's gonna tear not just my world, but the world's over the past a thousand years apart and he's going to decimate it and and it's kind of the same juxtaposition the same foil with lysander where like lysander only knows so much and he's only seen so much but what he's seen it's not fucking working he's seen that as money he's seen all this shit off the rim he had to leave all his motherfuckers behind when he was trying to rescue rescue seraphina you know so like their views are so skewed because like daryl isn't as great as fucking everyone thinks like yeah he's the fucking reaper of mars and yeah he's brought all these people out of the mines but like if you look at Lyria and the Red Hand and like all of, like even like fucking like Volga and fucking Fa, you know, Fa Fa's dude, I'm waiting to see some shit out of that motherfucker. Yeah. Dude, that dude I, is a fucking tank. Yeah. I <laughs> mean he walks with like four golds on him at one time, which is Dude, nice. I cannot wait for the fight scenes with Fa. Cause I, I really hope I really I really hope him and Darrow finally throw down. And I, mm-hmm. dude, the fucking like cataclysm that that fucking war, like that fight is going to be, is going to be fucking insane. Be, I, just, what do you think? Daryl's like, Daryl's a war god. Like, I you mean, think, Fa, so the thing with Fa is we haven't seen anybody like him. So I just right. like, like, we've seen people like Daryl. We've seen, like, even Ragnar now, we've seen other Obsidian like him. Yeah. Fa's like the size of two Ragnars and almost as fast somehow. But so that's like, what can I, anyone fight him? But that's what I'm saying, like, and, and, and do like, it gives a lot of, and that's what's crazy about how well Pierce writes is that the fact that we can have these conversations because we know how Daryl fights. We know, like, dude, the descriptions that Lysander gives, like, I'm just gushing at this point, but like the descriptions that Lysander gives about how he just, he's like a covenous river and he pulls violence yeah. to him. He's like and a tiger, like you just hear, you sense him before you see him. And it's little stuff like that that just like literally levels Pierce Brown up to like other mm-hmm. authors because it's like no one else writes like him and and i mean as far as i know he doesn't have any martial arts training he's never been in war he's never but he's read so much that he can articulate stuff like that where it's like yeah he comes through like a fucking tiger and, and tall grass and stuff and the fucking tail is the is the sling blade and it's it dude i really hope he meets fa in a corridor and they just Dude, they just fucking brutalize each other like that, dude. Do you think Daryl's gonna die? Um, I don't know. I I don't want him to, just because I don't I don't like that. And um, I just like when the good guy I did air quotes, listeners, the good guy wins, the hero of the story survives. Like, yeah, I like that. Um, and I hope like so. My thing, real quick, Darrow, his main mistake was that he didn't make himself a dictator, and. Uh, I'll take your answers off the air. I don't care. I think he should have grabbed power, and he should have done more because the right here with Senate him. is are all idiots and greedy, and they made they they ruined what him and Mustaine just slaved away for for ten years. Like he's been fighting for these people for ten years, and the Senate makes it so that his progress doesn't matter because and, and also too the still injustice. The still the the Senate is controlled by Lilith. Right, <laughs> right. Like the entire fucking the entire thing is controlled by Lilith, and so. If Darrow would have gotten the seventh and brought the fucking heat, it would be a completely different war now. Mm-hmm. You know, but it, I know. 
the fact that we're having these conversations it just gives the point that like Pierce Brett is a fantastic All writer. Right, so can you plug yourself real quick? Yeah. This is Logan Sandoval, a hardcore Lysander sympathizer with uh I am aka Zeph Hawaiian. You can find my Instagram, Z E F underscore H A W A I I A N. I cook barbecue, I make a lot of food, um, and I love Red Rising and I love comic books. Alright, so that's all the time we have for you guys. Uh, I'm gonna tease us over to another break and wrap it up from there. So thank you, Logan, for coming on. It's been a yeah, blast. Man. No, I appreciate it, dude. For real. I'll come back on whenever you need nice. me. Sick. So thank you again to Logan for coming on the podcast. It was a real blast. I can't wait to date into more stuff with him. And, you know, spoiler alert for you listeners. We're still talking on Instagram. We're still boys. So that's huge. And to all of you lovely listeners, thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, of course, make sure to give us a five-star rating and review on the podcast platform of your choice. And plug it to all your friends. Be like, yo, this guy's weird. He talks about a billion things. It's real cool. Learning a lot. Real funny. Great guests. Great friends. All that type of stuff. And definitely make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at highkey underscore obsessed underscore podcast. There's a Twitter as well, but I've been bad at managing that. But the Instagram is doing well. We're up over 100 followers now. We're right about 100 followers, depending on the day. And, you know, giveaways coming soon. Going to be doing some cool stuff with the art that I got commissioned. Uh, Really excited for that. And just generally, you know, I got memes, news, book reviews, you name it. I'm posting it. Funny things. Plugged in the homies. Stuff like that. And, yeah. So, until next time, I'm Thomas Boomhauer. This has been High Tea Obsessed.